Welcome to the Century Church Podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Hey everyone, welcome to our series, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And with me today is Steve and Debbie Deermeyer, and they have a powerful testimony, and we're going to have a great conversation today. We're in this series, When God Doesn't Make Sense, and today we're going to have just a simple conversation, but it's going to be difficult at times around prayer. We're going to talk about when God doesn't answer prayer, or so we think. And that's a big question. Like, what happens when God doesn't seem to answer our prayers or when God isn't, uh, isn't present, we feel like, in our prayer life or, or helping us through a difficult situation? So many of us during this particular time in a global pandemic and other situations that are happening in our lives and situations that will happen in our lives, we end up praying prayers to God that we feel like God oftentimes is not answering. And so, Today, I want us to dive into that. And as I thought about this, Steve and Debbie's story comes to mind. They have a powerful story, like I said, and a great conversation is ahead of us. So I hope that you'll lean in. Hope you'll tune in to this. I hope that you will uh, learn some things about you know, God, about the nature of God, about our faith in God, and about how to walk through really some uncertain times with a faith that can sustain us. And as I thought about them and thought about this whole idea of um, God not answering prayer, uh, the prophet Habakkuk came to mind. And I want to share with you, and, and Steve and Debbie, welcome. We're glad that you're, that you're going to have a conversation with us today. And uh, I was telling them about Habakkuk and that um, Habakkuk has this vision from God and uh, this prayer that he ends up, that he ends up praying. And uh, actually, a couple of prayers we're going to dive into today. And um, one of the things that I found particularly interesting, and I read this today from, um, from a synopsis in, in my Bible, and it says this about, about Habakkuk, and I thought this was very powerful. It says, for Habakkuk, the question at stake in the book is not how one is made righteous, but rather how the righteous might face evil's apparent domination. The prophet's vision emphasizes trusting God despite circumstances. And so I thought that was really profound. It's about how people go through tough times, how people face evil and evil's apparent domination of of evil's apparent control. And so as we get into this conversation today, uh, the prophet's first prayer in Habakkuk chapter one, verses one through through really uh, three. I'm just going to read through three. You guys can go read Habakkuk. It's a powerful book. But this is what it this is how it starts off. Lord, how long will I call for help and you not listen? That's in the Bible, y'all. I mean, and I know Steve and Debbie, you have you have heard this kind of prayer yourself, or it maybe even come out of your own lips as we get into your conversation today. Lord, how long will I call for help and you not listen? That's how this book begins. And it's a prayer that I think oftentimes we end up praying when when we get some bad news, when evil seems to strike, when life seems to stop as we know it. And Steve and Debbie, I know that that has been something that happened in your own lives. I believe it was about 2009, when when some news came uh, to you all. And uh, it 
probably stopped life as you knew it and changed the the trajectory of your life and what would happen next. And so would you just kind of take us through that story? Uh, take us through what happened to you and, and, uh, and how you began to live with that news. This is uh, difficult uh, for me not to talk about the prayers, but to talk about what I call the darkness. And um, I don't like to be in the darkness because it can only take you one place. If you get down in the darkness and you're not taking God with you, sometimes you're not going to come out. So uh, we're going to spend just a few minutes in the darkness. Um, I, on, on Thanksgiving Day, 2010, I had a sharp pain in my right side that brought me to my knees. And I'm a nurse, so I knew that something was wrong. I worked for three wonderful neurologists, and they're all like brothers to me. And I called one and said, I had a problem. And the very next day, he set up a PET scan, and it showed some areas of concern. And two days later, I was laying on a table at UAB having scans done. And the radiologist came out and said, is this your pancreas I'm looking at? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, we got a problem then. So on, thanks, on Christmas, that same year, 2010, I went in for eight hours of surgery, not really knowing what was going to be done. We were still in a shock at that point. We'd already prayed, let this be not cancer, which did, did nothing. <laughs> that didn't happen. So um, it, it was went from prayers that day of let this just not be cancer to please let me live. So I lost my spleen, pancreas, gallbladder, and part of my digestive system all had cancer. Eight of 10 lymph nodes had cancer. And I came out with a diagnosis of uh, stage four endocrine pancreatic carcinoma. Um, and I was given a life expectancy of three to five years. I saw an oncologist who put me on chemo, which I remain on today. And he said, go and live your life the best you can. Well, there are no, there are no uh, wimps in this house. And we're all fighters. And that wasn't good enough. So we sought opinion after opinion all over the country. And it was all the same. So um, what we did was try to gather our wits and pray then for let there be no more cancer. They've got a good portion of it. Let it be gone. And that'll be it. Well, the very next year, I had another cancer removed from my um, around my aorta robotically. And I thought, okay, that that's it. That's all the cancer I want. Please God, just don't let there be any more cancer. Well, um, I had to have care. I couldn't care for myself. Steve had to work. Somebody had to work. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And Mary showed up at our house and said, mom, I'm, I've taken a leave of absence from work and I'm going to take care of you until you're well. And she did. That very year, I learned that this could be genetic. So my brother and I and both my children went to UAB and were tested. 
my brother and I both tested positive for the mutation, mutated gene. And Mary, my heart, did also. So then it was, okay, we got, that didn't work. That prayer didn't work. So now we're going to pray. We're going to switch. And because I never stopped believing in God. I never was angry at him. And we prayed for, okay, we've got this diagnosis, it's genetic, but let there be no more cancer. Let's just go on with our life. So we proceeded to pretty much, Steve asked me, what's on your bucket list? And I said, I want to see all of the United States. And I want our kids to go with us as much as possible. And I want you to pay for it. So um, that's what we did. We saw most of the United States, took the kids and the grandkids to uh, Montana for two weeks. We've, we've done all kinds of stuff. And through the darkness, there have been periods of absolute joy that I did not expect and would not have had if not for the cancer diagnosis. So, Debbie, let me jump in there real quick and ask you a question, because um, I know as people hear this news and you get three to five years and then you find out that it's genetic um, and that it's been passed on to your daughter. And I know that how devastating that has been for you. Um, you and I've talked about that. And take us back to prayers that you prayed, if you can remember, when you first were diagnosed, and then prayers that you prayed when you found out that uh, this could be genetic. Take us into your prayer life a little bit. Uh, sometimes we, we, um, we jump past some of those prayers, and we almost forget the way that that happens for all of us, you know, and I'm thinking about people who pray prayers and we almost forget the prayers that we prayed. But I know that I've asked you to kind of think through that a little bit. So take us back a little and, and help us to remember, um, even when we're hit with hard times, some of the prayers that we pray that God doesn't seem to answer. Well, he didn't answer the prayer of let it not be cancer from day one. You know, when I went in the operating room, I didn't know what I had. And he didn't answer that at all. I mean, it was the worst case scenario that, in fact, I went from hoping and praying for no cancer to let me just live through this day. Mm -hmm. And that was a big stretch for me. I'd never been sick. God had always, I felt like, answered my prayers. Might, I might not have liked the outcome, but I wasn't asking for the moon. So he, he answered them. But since cancer diagnosis, I'll have to be honest with you. He's not answered the way I prayed almost every time. Wow. There, there has been, uh, I'll, I'll pray for a clear scan or let there be no more tumors or let there, um, let there be a treatment option. And really, that they, have, they just haven't been answered. So that's but, saying something, Debbie. I mean, for a person with as much faith as I know that you have had your whole life, 
Mm-hmm. Here you find yourself praying prayer after prayer, day after day, mm-hmm. now month after month. Mm-hmm. Year after year. Year after year, and no answer on those prayers the way you would you would want. Let me shift to Steve real quick. Steve, so same question really, but from a husband's perspective of watching your wife get diagnosed, what were some of the prayers that you feel like you prayed I mean, some of them can be the same, but what were some of the prayers that you prayed that you feel like God's just not answering those prayers? Well, um, the prayers that I had were pretty much the same, but based, you know, being a guy wanting to be the fix-it person to, to, to watch her go through pain and suffering, I prayed for just relief from that more than anything. We had already been given a lot of details about what to expect as far as metastasis and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, we were told that this this could metastasize to your liver or your bone. Okay, So one of my prayers was, please don't let it go to the bone. And it hasn't. So that was answered. I, I asked for it not to go to the liver, but it did. So that was not answered. But the part of not going to the bone has been answered. Um, I've, I've had to lean on him. You know, it's, it's without understanding about why this has happened to the love of my life, but but why her? Why not me? You know, I'm not the good one. She's the good one. You know, she's the more faithful one. She's the, uh, I mean, she's been such a godly woman ever since I've known her. Um, I can't, I can't say that I'd be in the front pew with her in heaven. I'd probably be in the back having to use a walkie talkie just to talk to her. (laughs) Um, But every step along the way that a bad, bad news came, there was always some good that was also showing through. Um, A lot of rough edges through the, through the hills and valleys, a lot of sharp edges potentially, but, but God managed to smooth over every single one of them. so that's what I'm so grateful and so uh, thankful to God. I mean, the mercy that he has shown, just like with Mary being available to take care of her so that I could work and for me to be diabetic so that I could take care of her diabetes and for us to have a son who's uh, a pharmacist and to be able to take care of medicines and our needs on the, on the medicine side of the house. So every step along the way. And then for this drug to come out recently, that has turned her world back in order. You know, she couldn't hardly form her words accurately. She was having trouble writing, couldn't balance, having to use a walker. And now this this $1,000 drug that we were first not approved for, my son was able to get that approved. And so now she's on a drug that has changed her into a completely different person. So there's never been a time throughout the entire process of any of my prayers that truthfully have not been answered in a positive way. Maybe not completely the way we want it and the way I wanted it, but he's come through and time and time again. So both of you are living through this moment. You're taking the vacations um, all around. Uh, talk about what it's like to take vacations when you're given a prognosis of three to five years of life and what that looks like differently than vacations you had taken before you got this news? Well, you know, that's a funny thing because I wouldn't have thought you could forget about cancer when you're on vacation. 
done, nothing's changed. I'm still doing chemo. I'm still having trouble, but I don't even think about it. When you're on that vacation, that's one of the ways God has answered that prayer. I, he didn't answer the prayers exactly like I prayed them, but he answered by giving me time with my family in some place that none of us have ever been. And all we do is laugh. All we do is have fun. We can, we can take care of cancer when we get back. We can talk about the, bad, the hard subjects when we get back. But during those times we're on vacation, I'm just like everybody else. And I'm just enjoying my kids, my husband, and my grandkids. Doesn't have anything to do with cancer. So that's why when I said he's never answered, practically never answered the prayers that I pray, the way I look at it is I wasn't asking the right prayer. Mm. Because he provided something or someone that changed a darkness into joy. So Debbie, take a moment and talk about the, you know, everyone always asks the question and Steve kind of brought it up. The whole, why me? Mm, I don't ask that. I don't ask that. I've never asked that Mm. because I certainly loving my fellow man. Like I do, I certainly wouldn't want this to be placed on someone else ever. So I've only asked, why can't you just help me? Why can't you just give me some more time? You know, there's a passage in Luke about Simeon. And I kind of, he's kind of my guy because he um, asked the Lord for more time so he can see Christ. Well, God gives it to him. And before Christ is even out of his arms, he's saying, you know, Lord, If I just had a few more days, I could do blah, blah, blah. That's me. Just let me drive the last bus to heaven and I'm going to be so happy. Well, that's not going to happen. But so I've never asked why. I've just asked, what do you want from me? What more do you want from me? I'll do it. Just tell me what you want me to do. And all that ever comes out is, I just want you to give me glory. Mm -hmm. I just want this to be where somebody looking at you sees how you handle it and says, Hey, if she can do that, I can do this. That's all. That's all I feel like he wants from me. So I fail. Sometimes I fail it within these walls. I fail frequently. I'll tell Steve, I'm going upstairs, have my little cry. I'll be back in a little while. And usually he goes with me and I get myself together and I say, okay, tell me what's next. We'll handle it. I can do it. You know, I've thought about that with you from time to time because I've texted you or called Mm -hmm. you and there's been a few moments when you have Mm -hmm. said, I'm not, I'm not in a, in a good place right now. And, and I think about like what we're talking about with all these unanswered prayers that happen that, that even for a strong woman of faith like yourself, could you talk about a little bit more, lean in a little bit more for those of us that that might be struggling right now with faith because of something that's going on? I mean, the whole world's going through something right now. 
And there are people that have a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of frustration and anger about the present circumstance. And here you are going through a nearly 10-year battle now with with an aggressive terminal cancer. And you have bad days, really, really bad days, I'm sure. Could you lean in and talk about some of those? Uh, Because sometimes people can look at you or look at someone like you and say, oh, well, I just, I'm not like Debbie. I, I don't have as much faith as she has. The, the hardest thing for me right now, it has been the whole 10 years, is Mary. It's really difficult to know that I gave her a gene that could result in what I have. And I won't be there. We're, we've always been extremely close. But one of the big pleasures of my life has been to watch her faith. You know, you won't hear her complain, oh, my mom gave me a gene that one day I'm going to end up like, you you will never hear that from her. She just um, is a light. And that light carries me through so much and reminds me when I'm down that, hey, I've got to hold it together. I've got to show the world and my family and Mary that there is light in the darkness and no matter what you go to bed with in the morning, it's going to look a lot different. God's going to give you what you need to make it through the next step. So um, coming to terms with her has been my hardest thing. Other than that, I, I honestly just, wait for the next thing because I feel like that's what he's told me to do. He's told me be still, which is hard for me. Be patient, which is really hard for me. And uh, you just take, take one step in front of the other and I'm going to lead you where, where you, where I want you to be. And you talk to me through prayer, you glorify my name and I'm going to take you where you need to go. And I think no matter who you are, what you're going through, you can do that. It, it, um, I don't think faith like mine, you have to have to know that God has your, your best interests at heart. I don't, I don't think it requires my faith or your faith or anybody's particular faith. It just requires that you know God is going to do for you what you need to make it through. And what when you get to the other side, it may not look anything like what you went in hoping it was for, but I've come far enough through this journey now that I can say, even though I'm gonna fight to the last breath, that um, there is no loss in this. There is no loser in this. As long as I've glorified his name and left behind a legacy that I'm proud of, then I can, go to heaven and know that he has taken care of me and he's worked miracles through my life and miracles through my children and my grandchildren. It's just to me, a very simple thing. Yeah. I love that about you, Debbie. We've, we've had that conversation many a time about giving glory to God and living for the day and the legacy that you hope to leave. Uh, You know, Steve, 
you and I sat in a Starbucks once and had a, had a coffee and, um, you know, this whole idea of three to five years, uh, and here you are sitting on 10 Mm -hmm. years, uh, talk about, talk about that from your perspective, Steve, about, you know, it wasn't an answered prayer that Debbie would be healed completely from this, but you know, you've talked before about different, the different types of cancer that this could have been and the time that has been given. And could you just share with everyone a little bit from your perspective about, about what God has done with the time that you, that you all have been blessed to have together? Well, the time has been one of my biggest prayers. That's since day one. And it, it started out with when we got that notice about the three to five years and then found out now here 10 years later, you know, she's beating the odds incredibly because of the type of cancer, not the fast growing cancer, but the slow growing cancer. So that's been enormous in terms of time. There've been some critical times throughout this 10 years too. The one that we talked about with Mary taking care of Debbie during that six month period after the pancreatectomy, that was crucial timing uh, and the amount of time. Well, then when you and I talked about uh, we were at Starbucks, they, they must have put something in the coffee because you had mentioned that uh, if it was you, you'd want to spend all the time with Rachel as you could. And I got to thinking about that, that, you know what, that's that's the way to think about it. So um, I, I took that uh, personally, went home, prayed and uh, thought about it and uh, informed Debbie, guess what, I'm retiring. So it shocked her. She didn't know. I didn't even discuss it with her. I just did it. And that's been two years ago. And it's been the most wonderful two years and critical two years because most of this time I've had to be there to take care of her, to go through the trial in Houston. Uh, and especially recently since March when or December when she had the seizure and, and uh, concussion and, you know, tore up her thumb and um that ammonia level had just gotten into her neuro. It, it, it affected her neurosystem just, just terribly. And then again in March when she and Mary and uh, Abby James went on their cruise, uh, basically she was incapacitated for several days, physically and, and uh, mentally. Um, and another, during this whole time, answered prayer was that in January, before all this happened, I told her, I said, you know, it's, we need to prepare for the rainy day. Now, when we tell people to prepare for a rainy day and save their money for a rainy day, it's usually because of a leak in roof, literally, but rainy days for us have been health issues and, and destruct, destruction of, of her being. Uh, so we had a lift installed. And uh, so when we got back from uh, the hospital in Mississippi on our way back from picking her up at the cruise, we were able to get her upstairs into the bedroom because we had that, that chair lift. So, the, the two years that we've had and the, the time now, you know, just from that event, I thought, okay, we're, we're starting to get to the end. I was really, really scared and really praying, please let this not be the end. And then again, what I mentioned earlier, this drug that all of a sudden she's taken is turned her into a different person. So it's yet another leap into more hopeful look at more time. And so that's, that's what has been, you know, my comfort is just knowing that God, every single time along the way, has been there 
and didn't answer the prayers 100% the way we wanted, nor does he probably do that very often. But for a lot of what we've requested and asked of him, he's come through every time. We know that it's not going to last forever, but 10 years has been, it's been quite amazing considering looking back what it could have been. Mm. That is so good to think of all the ways that God has provided and I mean, that's what I keep hearing from you, Steve, is all the ways that God has provided as you have taken yeah. care of Debbie. You know, I want us to turn quickly into uh, all the ways that God has shown up, though. Mm-hmm. God may has, have not have answered the original prayers the way you wanted. The prayers of no cancer, the prayer of not passing that gene down. But there have been so many prayers and blessings and miracles that you have seen through having cancer and through going uh, through darkness and, and tough times and lots of situations that most of us will probably never go through. Um, you know, a 10-year journey with stage four cancer and all the ups and downs, the good news, the bad news. Uh, all of those situations. And so I would love for you to just share with us, you know, while we're talking about when God doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense that somehow there would be rejoicing Mm -hmm. in the midst of a valley. And and I would say I want to share the end of Habakkuk, the end of the book. So he starts off with, you know, you ever going to listen I'm crying out to you and you're not listening. Mm -hmm. And Habakkuk ends his, you know, time with saying this in Habakkuk three, starting in, in verse 18, he says this, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. After all that Habakkuk had laid down, after talking about uh, evil just taking over and, and looking like it was just going to run over him and, and run over the people and, and all of the condemnation that is throughout this book and the stuff that is happening, he ends with, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. And I feel like, Debbie and, and Steve, that I've seen that from you all going through all of the darkness, going through evil itself, attacking uh, doubts, fears, anxiety, depression, frustration, going upstairs and doing your thing. But you have seen God at work. And I feel like I watch two people rejoice in even having gone through this journey, which is very peculiar to people that would wonder why would you even begin to rejoice. Would you um, kind of share some of the blessings, the, the miracles, the, the times you've had that cause you to rejoice in the midst of all of this? Well, I struggle sometimes because I hear people say, you know, I'm glad I had whatever X, Y, and Z because uh, it I have such joy to remember. I'm going to just change that to just a little bit. I'm not glad I have cancer, but 
cancer has shown me things that I never would have been witness to if I had not had it. And therefore, I cannot say I'm sorry I have it because how could I be sorry to be able to see the hands and feet of Jesus Christ day after day? I mean, we get to witness that firsthand. I can't tell you the amount of people that have done for us, meals, cards, flowers, gifts, it visits. It's just unbelievable. I mean, just last week, I had flowers delivered or a present every day of the week. And that's and it's all from Century. And that's saying that if you want to see the eyes of Jesus, just look in the eyes of a person that's doing something for you is so true because nobody has to do for somebody else. They don't have to. But when they do, it I know it changes their life and it certainly changes the life of the person they're doing for. So one of our big big thank thankful things that we say is thank you so much for sending whoever to do for us. It has you know, when I had my seizure in January, Keith Johnson was the first person here. Steve was at work. Steve called Keith. Keith came down and stayed with me until the ambulance came. You know, people don't have to do things like that. But it is so um, fulfilling and makes you able to take the next step. All right, they did that for me. I can walk now for two more days or however long until the next downtime. And that has meant so much to me. We've been able to firsthand watch our daughter and her faith grow by leaps and bounds. I, um, I never, I knew she was special, but I never thought I'd be able to see that, that her faith would far surpass her fear or, um, or downside to me having cancer. You know, if I get down, she's the first one to say, come on, mama, let's get the prayer from general out and write all the things we're thankful for and let's pray. And when I couldn't pray, she'd say, all right, we're just going to do your little prayer you do. I have a little prayer I do whenever I either in pain or can't go anymore. It's uh, you are my healer. You are my friend. You are my savior. That's all I need to say. And he Picks me up until the next time. I think our son Danny has been in a state of denial more than any of us through the years. So, and so our prayer has been for him to come to grips with it, and he has, and he's opened up more about it. Hmm. That's uh, that's a difficult thing, I imagine, for both of you to have to uh, see your kids walk through this with you yes Uh, yeah because part of their life is been sad you know i mean a time when they should be doing nothing but partying and uh, and doing their community whatever they've had to be down about their mom and nobody wants that for the kids all right now debbie 
partying was your first thing. <laughs> so uh, maybe we need to find out what you were doing before cancer. Listen, huh? I am so. from New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the New Orleans girl away from New Orleans, but you can't take New Orleans out of the girl. <laughs> All right. So next up on Century Church, we're going to find out what Debbie was doing on Bourbon Street. So, uh, oh, no. boy. <laughs> One other thing throughout these 10 years, there was about a four-year lull in the action, so to speak, 2012 yeah. through 2015, when we were living on Merriweather, you know, the five acres that we had. Well, <clears throat> Debbie didn't approve of my grass-cutting techniques, <laughs> so she did not even let me cut the grass. Uh, so I figured, well, as long as she's out cutting grass, working herself to death, she's fine, Okay. <laughs> So in that 10 years, we had a good four or five years, about half of it, you know, was living normal, you know, and, and really more than that. You know, so many people with cancer are just down and out all the time, continuously. But we've had lots of breaks along the way. And, you know, with, with God's grace, he's given us a pretty good 10 years considering dealing with cancer. So I you know, to, to his, all the glory to him for uh, for doing that for us. Yeah, you know, so as we kind of close out our time together, put in your mind for a second someone who is about to enter into a tough season of their life, whether it be medically, financially, relationship-wise, they might be, you know, going through a divorce or about to, um, but we all are going to have really difficult things. What advice would you, would both of you give to someone who is on the cusp of entering into a, a valley, into a dark season of, of life? The person I'm praying for right now doesn't even know. I don't even know him. He lives in the waters. I just heard that he was out of a job. And to me, that's, you know, there's three or four things that are top three or four that will put you under. And the loss of a job for a man um, when he's got a family to take care of must be devastating. And what I would say to that is, and some of this stuff will sound so cliche, but if you haven't tried it, you're never going to know. What have you got to lose to try it? Because we're living, living proof it works. But what I would say to that man, and I don't even know his name, is that um, God is there. You just have to reach out and ask him. And you may not get a job for six or eight months. You may not, you may not get the job you want. But what you're going to get is a perfect plan from him. He's going to use that loss of that job to his glory and you're going to end up better somehow you as a person or in your, whatever you're going for, you're going to end up better than you were by asking him to walk with you through that. You know, my favorite Bible verse is Psalm 121. You know, where am I going to at, where am I going to get my help from? Well, it's going to come from the maker of heaven and earth. And he will never let your foot slip. I just think of that every time that I get down. I just look to the hills and say, 
God is there. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to walk with you through this. And the days when you don't have a job, don't walk around sad. Go take your wife or family out for a picnic or do something that takes your mind off of that and reminds you life is all around us. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to miss any of it because we're none of us going to be on the last bus driving it to heaven. None of us. I, I don't, I think none of us are. So we've got to grab what God has given us and he's given us this life and you get one chance. And no matter what is handed to you, you have got to go for it. You have got to live it. You've got to walk through it and show everyone around you that you have got this by glorifying God and you will make it. Mm-hmm. And I think we're proof that you that's true. When there's nothing special about us. We're just a nurse and an engineer and teacher. And by asking God to help us through this, we live 10 years later having so many memories of that 10 years and so many things we're thankful for that if we'd sat around worrying about it, we'd have had none of that. Yeah. So tell us where you are today, Debbie, give us a, give everyone a sense of like where you are today and an update on your situation. I think I'm doing pretty good. A week ago, my ammonia level was 107, which is way too high. And I have what's called, big word is um, hepatic encephalopathy, which is a big word for the poison that the liver gets rid of, that my liver's not getting rid of, has gone to my brain and is causing some uh, neurological problems. Not being able to walk, not being able to talk right, writing is not good. And just a week ago, um, I'm going to say his name. He, I don't think he mind. Dr. Davison is my oncologist. I love that man. And um, he, he put me on another drug and insurance denied it. Danny went to bat for it. Dr. Davison went to bat for it. And I got it approved because it's $1,000 for 10 pills. That would put us out of business pretty, pretty quickly. And um, that has lowered my, today I got the news, it had lowered my ammonia level to 57, which is still high, but I can live with that. You know, I can't drive a car and I can't go out and mow the grass, but I can live with that. And so I feel like I'm doing pretty good. No, he didn't return my ammonia level to, to, to normal and he didn't take away the hepatic encephalopathy, but I can live with this. It's like a, a pretty good hand in uh, poker. I can live with this. <laughs> and, and I can too, because like yesterday, she cooked a chicken in the crock pot, so I didn't have to starve. <laughs> so I'm living another day without having to starve. So <laughs> that's good. she can still you know, do stuff like that. She's not cutting grass anymore, but sometimes when I get out there and cut grass, she insists on doing the weed eating. As long as she wants to do that, I'm happy. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Right right this minute, we're good. And I'm not saying next week. It, there is no good outcome of this story. Not in this world. But every day, I get to hold his hand. I get to talk to Patrick. I get to, 
talk to a friend. I get to see my children and my grandchildren. I'm happy. Yeah. I love, I love your faith and the way that you, I've told you before that, um, watching you go through this, uh, even seeing the real Debbie from time to time, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and because it's real and you've shared your heart today again with, with people now that will, that will see this, uh, this interview and, and yet also seeing your faith get emboldened and stronger and more secure and more peace in your life. Uh, it gives, uh, a younger pastor, much, uh, hope and just love for watching how God uses people like you. And so I'm, I'm grateful to both of you today for spending some time uh, with us. Uh, you know, we've learned a lot about you today, uh, and even <laughs> about your, your partying and your, and apparently poker obsession. Too. Oh, so, uh, no. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> oh, I just had to throw it in there. I just had to. I just had to, Debbie. Keep but it real. Keep it real. That's Debbie. right. That's right. Detail, one detail she left off about the bucket list. She, uh, when we were driving through Texas, she had said she wanted to stop at the rodeo, and I said, "What for?" She says, "I want to ride on that bull Fu Manchu for three point five seconds." <laughs> And I told her, I said, no, you can't do that, but I'll do it. So I, so I started walking towards the bull, and I got to thinking, you know what? I'm diabetic. I'm 65 years old. I've got heart disease. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yes. I love it. Well, uh, thank you for spending this time with us, for sharing, because sometimes God doesn't make sense, right? Like, that's right. Sometimes. It doesn't make sense. And our prayers don't get answered the way that we, that we want them to. But you've been living proof today of the fact that God does answer prayer, mm-hmm. but God's going to answer it in God's way and God's timing. And mm-hmm. that is ultimately found in God's perfect will for mm-hmm. our lives and for the lives that we get to touch. And I would say... Steve and Debbie, even prior to this conversation, your lives have touched so many people. And now I'm praying that this time of conversation will touch a whole lot more people because of your willingness to share your story, be real with everyone about the difficulties, the challenges, the doubts and fears in your own faith, the going upstairs and having your cry. And then at the same time, seeing all the blessings and the, and the ability to rejoice in the midst of suffering is is quite a testimony in and of itself so thank you for for this time i i i sure, certainly hope and pray that as people listen to this that they will just once again be uh encouraged in any valley they may be going through and debbie i'm going to do something uh to close us out that i hope that you don't mind me asking but mm-hmm. um you know debbie uh i remember so well and how much uh how much it it uh impacted my life when i called you one day and um just after i knew you were going through a a tough patch and uh wanted to have prayer with you and so i i prayed with you and then you turned around before i could even get off the phone and said now i'm gonna pray for you and here's this woman who's got terminal cancer who is praying over me and the words that you said and the 
and the way in which you just poured your heart out in that prayer was um, was one of the most profound days of my life in ministry, and I'll never ever forget that. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I think it would be appropriate today if you would close us out in prayer and pray right. for the people that watch this, mm-hmm. and uh, and pray God's will be done. Yes. So, would you uh, do the honor today? My honor. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to share our story, and I give you all the glory for it. And I ask that if there be just one person out there that's going through a tough time, that they know that there is hope at the end of the of the tunnel. There's hope no matter what's going on. And to put a smile on, put one foot in front of the other, and just go for it, whatever it is. Lord, I thank you so much for Patrick. He is such a wonderful leader. And I have um, been blessed to be in his presence and under his care for not near long enough. I know you have great plans for him. I love our church. I ask for your blessing over it as we try to figure out how to open again. I ask for you to put your hand over each soul that attends and that you have plans for to attend. Thank you, Lord, for each moment you give us on this earth. May we use it for your glory and your service always. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.